Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Nights Live. We'd like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Uh, this is Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co-host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we introduce tonight's guest, I'm going to turn it over to Tamara, who's going to tell you how you can get a free ebook copy of our latest release, Darling Girls. You sure can. If you're listening uh, to this anytime before May 31st, 2018, you're eligible to win a free ebook copy of the latest Darning Cross novel, Darling Girls. All you have to do is sign up for the newsletter by going to our website at alistaircross.com or tamrathorn.com, and after you sign up, ask two of your friends to do the same. If you're already signed up for the newsletter, you're still eligible. All you have to do is get two of your friends to sign up as well. Then email our publicist at contact at bamliterature.com. That's contact at b-a-m-literature.com with the email address of your friends. Uh, If they sign up, you have your choice of an EPUB or Moby copy of Darling Girls. No email addresses will ever be shared, and the only thing you'll ever receive from us otherwise is a monthly newsletter. Unless you want to cancel it, you're free to do that. This offer is valid (laughs) only for EPUB and Moby copies, and the giveaway ends May 31st, 2018. All right. Uh, again, this is Thorne and Cross on a night's live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Uh, you can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorne.com, or you can visit our mutual blog at thorneandcross.wordpress.com. If you tweet, our handles are at CrossAlister and at Tamara Thorne. You can also visit us on Facebook at our Haunted Nights Live page. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Uh, And uh, with that out of the way, uh, we're excited to introduce tonight's guest, uh, a must-read author who we've just recently discovered and highly recommend to anyone who loves atmospheric thrillers that you just can't put down. Brendan Duffy is the author of The Storm King and House of Echoes. In 2015, he was featured in Refinery-29's 21 Authors You Need to Know. He lives in New York, uh, where he's at work on his next novel. Uh, Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thanks for coming on. Welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, All right. I'm glad to have you. We're thrilled to have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, so you, you have oh, you have two books. One's brand new, and I have to say, I'm going. I just ordered a copy of the first book because it, it sounds like a haunted house novel. I have to read House of Echoes. But, oh, terrific! But first, but yeah, it sounds great. Um, but first, we want to talk about the Storm King. Take it away, Alistair. All right, so um, there's a lot. We we both have uh, copies of this, and we're both reading them and enjoying it. It's very, like I said, it's uh, very atmospheric. Very, uh, it's 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 a kind of story you can kind of wrap yourself around. You know, it's really it's it's fantastic. I haven't. I gotta say, I haven't read something like this in a long time, and I it's a breath of fresh air. So I guess let's start with, actually, uh, Brendan, could you tell our listeners a little bit about what what the Storm King is about, I guess? 
Sure. I mean, the most concise way to describe it um, when people ask me is I say it's about a complicated boy and girl who fall in love, get into trouble, and the night of their high school graduation, the girl disappears and the boy leaves town, uh, never to return until 14 years later when the girl's, the, the girl's remains are found outside the town. So um, it, it's sort of simultaneously uh, through a dueling narrative, uh, a coming-of-age story and a coming-home story. And uh, it sort of all amplifies under the, uh, like under the fury of a hurricane, which is battering this lakeside town. And uh, there are quite a lot of surprises, you know, in the way of um, a lot of coming home stories. Uh, he reconnects with estranged friends and um, sort of forgotten enemies and old secrets are revealed and all sort of comes to this tremendous crescendo at the end. Or at least that was my intention. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> right, I right. love there are two things in particular that I like, and that's that you have more than one point of view. And and my brain just went south. Um, <laughs> and I love going back and forth in time. My brain came back. Uh, I, I really enjoy this. We do that sort of thing too. Well, you know, we have like 20 characters, points of view, because we get carried away, but that's beside oh, the point. Yeah. It's just yeah, so I mean, nice, a real old-fashioned book again. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's – I think as you're um, – you, as a writer, you know, I think – you know, we always talk about how reading fiction brings out empathy in people. I think as a writer, you know, you realize that there are so many points of view to an event and a story. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone has a slightly different take on everything that happens in life, you know, and that's just sort of an important yeah. thing to remember. And it's sort of the most interesting way of telling a story because, you know, as they say, it's like um, my version, your version, and then somewhere in there is the truth. And it's sort of like that's what the reader has to figure out in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right, right. It's great that way. Yeah. I, it's Experiential it is, differentiation. It I, I, it, yes, and it's it's one of the things yeah. I agree with Tamara. It's one of the things that I that I love about this. I I, um, I read just about anything, I, I and I like just about anything for the most part, but I have always had a strong preference for uh, third-person, multiple-point-of-view type stuff. And, yeah, that is generally, yeah, that is how we write. It's It's... I I think it's fantastic, and I do you do you feel like was this something that you uh, set out to do the, the style of it that third person multiple point of view did you set out to do that on purpose or is it something that just comes natural to you? Um, I think well it, for for my first book House of Echoes that's primarily written in sort of third person limited uh, POV, <laughs> and I find it um, I find it very useful just because it's sort of a way um, as an author to control the information that, mm-hmm. that the reader has access to in a way that you can do when you're writing first person really well, but it, it sometimes feels a little bit like a cheat, like a little bit dishonest, um, you know, yeah. the way that you treat the reader if you're writing in first person yet holding back these secrets. You know, and that's where you get into this trend of, um, you know, unreliable narrators. Which, um, right. which, which is a, a great, I enjoy very much, but there's a way to push that a little too far. We're like, well, can I trust anything you're telling me? Do you know what I mean? I think, right. I think sometimes the unreliable narrator, there's a way of pushing that, um, you know, that to a point of sort of like a breach of trust with the reader where you feel like, oh, you're just manipulating uh-huh. me, you know? 
Whereas in the third right. person, uh-huh. it's a little bit, it's a little bit more stylized, you know, a little more, a bit of a more curated way of showing a character's point yeah. of view, uh, which I find useful. Yeah. That's I'm also useful. curious, yeah. what, what kind of uh, books did you grow up reading? I mean, what, what were the books that uh, made you say, you know, the books and the authors that made you want to do this? Huh. You know, I read like really widely when I was young, uh, and I, as I still try to. I was always really attracted to um, like a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, actually, mm-hmm. um, which is not a category I write in at all. But um, you know, I still I still read it uh, quite a lot, and I think something that I like the way I like to approach some of my work is you know sort of like applying sort of fantastical world building only in the real world, you know, like you're, you're giving a place with all these names and these legends and this lore and this kind of built in mythology. And just like every suburban town has its own kind of mythology, you know, like that's known to the people there. And it's a way of sort of, you know, it's something that Stephen King does really well, I think, obviously. Um, So I think, I think I'm like sort of really inspired by that level of world building, but just sort of applying it to the realms of the, you know, more of a reality based. Uh, that really makes sense. Yeah, right, yeah. I I grew up on science fiction too and fantasy, and I can totally see that. It's, I yeah, prefer real yeah. world stuff, but odd. You know? and, yeah. And yeah. Speaking you know, of the, the, Stephen King, one, you had you had USA Today kind of compared you to Stephen King. That's awesome. That's that's incredible. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah. That's very nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a little silly too in a way, but um yeah I will take it sure it's a huge compliment I'm yeah. a huge Stephen King fan so you know that's very nice of him for sure. <laughs> what authors did you like growing up? Like what kind of science um, fiction? I mean it was a lot when I think back at it you know it's almost the kind of science fiction that I couldn't like I read Isaac Asimov and all that stuff yeah um gosh. Of course, now now that I'm forced to name someone, I'm blanking. But you know, it's one of those things where it's oh. like, it, it, but it was like you like choose uh, a shelf at your library. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you just like read it all. Sure. You know what I mean? So like, I can't yeah. really tell you the difference between most of the Isaac Asimov books because I probably read like almost all of them within like five months of each other. Do you know what I mean? So it all oh, sort of exactly. blended together, uh-huh. and you know, I think that mm-hmm. fits with the, a lot of the other authors too. Um, just like, you know, that feeling when you're like, uh, you discover something when you're a teenager and you're just like devouring it, you know, and, you know, it would be so (laughs) interesting. Something that I haven't done is go back to some, oh, actually this one series, um, the Frank Herbert Dune series, um, I I love, it's just magnificent. And that is like one of the (laughs) few series I've read like multiple times, you know, at different stages in my life, you know, as a teen, you know, I was just understanding like. The, the absolute mm-hmm. surface of it, you know, it's like, whoa, look at this action. This is crazy, you know? Yeah. But then, like, you're like, wow, this is really deep. And then, like, when I'm in my 30s, I'm like, this is, like, philosophy, I think. Like, I don't know. You know, like, who knows what I'm going to pick up mm-hmm. in the next decade from it. Um, where, right. uh, you know, there, it's so interesting because something that interests me, too, is what a reader brings to the book. Do you know what I mean? Because it's sort of like... Oh, Yes. Because you're sort of, it's sort of like an act of co-creation, you know, between what mm-hmm. the words that the author puts down and what you expect the reader to see, but what the reader actually sees, you know? So if you like, if you mm-hmm. said something like, it's a really scary house, like I picture the house in Psycho, you know? 
But right. if if I tell you that and your like grandmother, whom is who's the sweetest woman in the whole world, lived in a house exactly like that, that wouldn't be what your template is for it. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know, it's just so interesting, like sort of like the visual imagination that the reader employs. Mm-hmm. Because sort of when I read a book, I'm seeing it sort of like a movie, you know? And there is sure. uh, there's there's like a zero percent chance that I'm seeing it exactly as the author is seeing it, and I think that's where it becomes really uh-huh. interesting, you know, in the words that you yeah. choose and sort of like what it conjures, you know. Absolutely, yeah. and you know what you just said is exactly why I think I've always, even when I was younger, preferred books uh, to movies, and uh, it's yeah. true. It's absolutely yeah, because that's like it's yours in a way. As a reader, you kind of own a little piece of it, you know. Um, in yeah. a way that a movie kind of does it all for you. I mean, I love movies, but yeah, it is, yeah. It is kind of an interesting thing to think about if you're like paying attention to what an author says from sentence to sentence and sort of the scenes, the scene as it as, as it's playing out in your own head. Um, right. Yeah. The one right. movie I can think of offhand that that doesn't have that problem is The Haunting, the 1960 version. It's so like the book, and oh. it doesn't show you the monsters, and it makes it so fascinating. They give you little close-ups of wallpaper that looks like faces, but they don't show you a whole lot, and I love that, because it keeps your imagination going. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole other art form, um, which yeah. I really, really admire, like, to make clear. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, agree. I agree. I agree. I don't. Medium, but, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Don't now, you, you hate mentioned... mail. We, we like movies just fine. <laughs> no. You you mentioned yeah. fantasy. Um I the one that the books I've reread the most over my entire life since the time I was ten is Lord of the Rings. Is mm, that one of yes. your yeah. Yes, definitely. Love That's that. one of them. And you know, and some of them are definitely some some books, you know, they're definitely meant for, for kids. Um you yeah, know, I like remember the Hobbit. I used to love right, I, I well also like I well, I mean, yeah, right, The Hobbit. Um, I, I think the rest of yeah. Lord of the Rings, you know, they're really enjoyable um, no matter what age you are. Yeah. Um, but, you exactly. know, for, I'm thinking of someone like David Eddings, David Eddings I think. Oh. And um, <laughs> the, uh, I'm blanking on his name, unfortunately, the Shannara, the Shannara books. You know, I, I guess oh, I, haven't yeah. re-ap- I haven't, like, approached them again as an adult. But it would be interesting to see if I love them as much now, you know. Um, That's an interesting I I thought. Did. I did that with the. I loved H. Rider Haggard. The the um, uh, what are they called? Oh, it, oh, it's coming to my. Oh, King Solomon's Mines. Those books. And so oh, I went back okay. and tried to read one again, and it wasn't nearly as good as when I was ten <laughs> or eleven. <laughs> right, right, right. So I guess I wonder if there's any way of like knowing that before you sort of like ruin the book in your memory. But um, I don't I know. I really don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's hard. It's sort of like yeah. returning home. You know, you never you're going to see things a little bit differently. Your memory's not always exactly. quite what reality was. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, when you when you uh, started this book, um, were there many surprises along the way? It it seems it seems so far it seems uh, very uh, intricately plotted, and and I'm curious as to how much plotting you actually do. Do you uh, sit down and do like a, a, a scene by scene kind of thing, or do you just kind of have a vague skeletal idea and run with it? I, I think I mostly have, I definitely do not have an outline. There's always usually like a point when I'm like maybe what feels like a third of the way through where I'm like, Oh, now's the time mm-hmm. to write an outline. 
And I just, mm-hmm. it never actually ends up working for me, but I do try to use an outline. <laughs> I do ad- yeah. admire people who can do an outline because my life would be so much easier if it worked for me. But um, yeah. for, for me, it's like a very messy process where I basically have to like write my way through it and then see what I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, generally I have a good sense of the setup and hopefully a bunch mm-hmm. of the important characters. And I know more or less where I'm heading but, of course, it's the getting there. That is the actual tricky part. So, um, as you said, we the have... Storm King, it's very, like, intricately plotted. Mm-hmm. And it took me quite a lot of revisions. Um, I probably worked on this book for a little bit too long. Um, I think I did a total of, like, 15 full revisions, which is a, a little bit nuts. Um, and, and I think this yeah. came down also to some extent to, like, second novel like insecurity to some extent. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think I think oh, the hardest the book, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I think that um, when I started off, I'd really bitten off more than I could chew. I think I got there in the end, but I, I was like a little bit, I definitely grew a lot and was like a painful process that I'm much better for having gone through. And I just wrote um, a first draft for another book, which I sent to my agent this week. So hopefully that will um, not require <laughs> 15 revisions, you know, um, because that is the dream. <laughs> oh, geez. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is, you know you've got a couple books under your belt uh, or like not I, you guys have many, many books under your belt. But uh, the second one, you know, I, because I didn't want it. There was a moment where the character from the second book felt like the character from the first book. I'm like, Oh geez, do I only have this mm-hmm. one voice in me, you know? And then like, no, that's not right. And then I yeah. like sort of like overcorrected and I didn't quite get it right. And, oh. you know, and on top of that, you have dueling uh, narratives. So it was a pretty messy process, but I've, uh, yeah. some very patient and wise editors that uh, finally got me yeah. there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the second book is always. Book. Exactly. I know. It's it is. Yeah. On my second book, it was, and, and, and Tamara told me this, because I had the hardest time with it. My first one just, just flew yeah, right you out, you know. Mm-hmm. My second mm-hmm. one took me, I think, over a year and a half of just, you know, writing. Not, yeah. You know, it was it was rough. And I remember, Tamara, you yeah. told me, you're like, that's the way it is. That's, it's the second book. It's always the second yeah. book. And I was like, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure I believed that or not. Then I finally finished it. I did the third one. It flew out of me even faster than the first one. And we've heard oh, other people yeah, about that. Oh, yeah, the second one. Yeah, the second yeah, one, though, your only real competition is yourself. So you're trying to live mm-hmm. up to yourself, and there's nothing harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, you're, I think you're right, yeah. And that yeah. was, you know, yeah. I wanted something that was like, oh, it's like, you know, thematically similar, but it's also different, but like the protagonist mm-hmm. has to be different. And, you know, I mean, the fact is that not everyone has more than one book in them, you know, so you don't really, no. you're not like 100% sure you can do it, you know, so, oh, yeah. I thought I, I yeah, felt like such a cliche work. where I'm like, guess what? I can't write my second book. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. When I'd actually signed up my first book, it was in a two-book contract, and I was very mm-hmm. confident going into that because I'm like, huh, little do they know I already have 50,000 words to this book written. And then, like, those 50,000 words became 30,000, which became 10, uh-huh. became, like, <laughs> 5, and then it was like, oh, such a mess. Oh, touch a mouth. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> so what is your work schedule like? Do you do you do this uh, in the morning, at night, in the middle of the day, the middle of the night? How do I you tend, uh, I, I tend to – I have uh, – I work as a book editor for four days a week. Um, mm-hmm. But I tend to take, like, uh, spans of time off. 
and I work, you know, uh, over the weekend and on Fridays. And I tend to be most productive in the morning, I think. That's when I'm freshest. But if I'm actually taking, like, a full week off to do this, I'm actually uh-huh. pretty disciplined. Um, I do – I try to write a thousand good words, and that usually involves, um, you know, a chunk of the morning and then sort of a chunk of the afternoon to, um, to sort of fine-tune them. I, I sort of, I, I think we all have our superstitions about writing, but like my superstition is that I don't want to write until I'm done. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want to write until I can't write yeah. anymore. Because I'm like, I feel right. like I need to leave a little right. bit of the tank. So I kind of know I what love the that. next like paragraph or yeah. something is going to be for tomorrow mm-hmm. to get me started. Because otherwise I'm just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's irrational, but it's just like, I feel no, like that's not. a bad idea. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. one of the smartest things you can do as far as I'm concerned. Just yeah, leave yeah, off, right? Uh, at I, least right before I, you're done. Yeah, I always do. And, and I, and yeah. I finish this whole I, scene. I, yeah. yeah, I will finish an entire scene, and I'll just go until I'm done. And then, but then I, I see the logic in it because that's probably one of the, you know, few actual differences between our processes. Tamara is, mm-hmm. you you will leave in the middle of a scene, and I, I hate leaving in the middle yeah. of a scene. But I see the logic in it because right. you, get a, you you start the next day and you pick up where you left off, and I'm going, okay, now what? No what? No what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Well, and then we talk about it and figure it out. It's It's hard. Very hard. I feel like the hardest part of my day, to some extent, is like sitting down in my chair and opening the document. Do you know what I mean? And that, oh, yeah, you've got to leave before you start up again. Like even scarier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's horrible. And like we we spend an hour, hour and a half a day writing on our solos in our virtual office on Skype together mm-hmm. and so whoever finished if i finish first if i finish a scene i start another one i don't care if it's two lines i have to have one started or i won't be happy the next day when i start again yeah and he's all yeah. of a sudden oh i'm done <laughs> yep i'm done i'm yeah. not doing anymore i got this out i'm done right yeah yeah whenever <laughs> well, you're <I'll>, ready <laughs> exactly now when uh so what what would you say are some of the differences between um Okay, so the Storm King and uh, House of Echoes. House of Echoes was your first one, uh, right? What when you when you came to to do to do Storm King? What is it that you wanted to do differently? How did you feel you wanted to? Uh, what did you want to do differently or better? I guess I should say. Well, for um, House of Echoes, you know, it has like a pretty. Uh, a pretty familiar conceit, which is basically a young family from the city move needs a change in their life and moves up to upstate New York to mm-hmm. sort of restore this vast ancient um, or as ancient as it gets in upstate New York uh, house. So, you know, it's sort of like there's that right. gothic setup, which is pretty familiar, you know, to any fan of the genre. Um, oh, so yeah. What I was doing was trying to, like, sort of subvert that in a couple of ways. You know, I'm trying to be a little bit unexpected in ways. You know, things that you think are happening mm-hmm. are not happening. And there's also, um, it, 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 to a large extent, character-driven between the family because it, they, they have some problems together, um, uh-huh. the, the wife and the, the uh the young son who's eight and the husband, you know, they do not, they, their, their life in the city worked, but then fell apart. And now they have to sort of come to grips with, with what's happened to them. Um, which again, is like pretty true. You know, that's not, not an unfamiliar conceit. So for, right. uh, but for the storm King, I wanted to do something that, you know, it's interesting. I mean, in reading some of the, uh, the consumer reviews for, uh, 
for the Storm King. You know, people were saying that they'd, huh, I've never actually, I haven't read a book like this maybe before. I think that, I think that it inhabits a, a space between a couple of genres, which makes you really not uh-huh. expect what's about to happen. You know, sometimes if you're reading, you know, a psychological suspense, you can, you're like, okay, well, I believe things will unfold it like this way, you know, but then you're like, they're right. to a crime and to mystery, which unfold in different ways. And I think, I think there's something interesting if the reader doesn't quite know what genre of book they're reading. You know what I mean? Like I think it right. opens up their mind and makes them actually, you know, even if it's something that they've seen before, they're like, okay, well then maybe it's a mystery book. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like the idea of it sort of breaking a format to some extent, you know, right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. going to tell you that I've reinvented the wheel here, but you know, like <laughs> I like, I always like the idea of book surprising me. So if I can surprise like a decent amount of readers, I'm very happy about it. Um, now, oh, did you have I any also, difficulty as far on the, on the business end of it, c- considering that it's uh that it is kind of a mixed genre type thing. Did you have any uh, trouble at all with, you know, publishers knowing where to place it, how to market it, things like this, or has that not I really mean, been much of an issue for you? Well, my publisher uh, definitely pitched it very strongly as a thriller, a psychological suspense thriller. Um, You could dispute whether or not that's truly accurate. Um, And I mean, I think Mm -hmm. what you're you're alluding to is the fact that publishers and booksellers, they really need to like be told, you know, what it is, what what the thing is. And and, and it is a difficulty for sure. Um, You know, I think definitely... You know, it, it, I mean, it's so hard because, like, there are so many psychological thrillers, and if they're expecting one thing and they got my book, you know, they might be like, right. why are there all these feelings in here? I don't know, you know. Um, I, have to, so, I have to say, though, I have to say, though, if that if that happened to anyone listening, it would be a pleasant surprise, believe me. It, <laughs> it really would. I, it would, well, yeah, sincerely. Thank you. But, I mean, it is, a, I think it's a, a constant thing that authors are, are struggling on. You know, very few books fit into, like, a very neat little box, you know, and, um even if even if booksellers like to pretend that they do and even if it makes their lives easier. And, you know, I understand why they need to do that. You know, it makes, you sure. know, it makes complete sense. Um, but, yeah, no, it is, it is really tricky. I, I think it definitely made it more challenging for my publisher, for sure. Um, but luckily, <laughs> you know, I, I was able to get uh, – the reviews have been really positive. The, the, um, the press reviews all seemed to really enjoy it. So they got what was going on. Uh, so that uh, that gives right. me hope. <laughs> so. Nice. All right. So yeah, we're, we're already nice. almost about out of time, but um, uh, how about um, could you tell us um, a little bit about, say, your or one of your main characters and uh, what your uh, tell us about some of the or one of the people in the in the book, I suppose. Well, the main character's name is Nate, and he's the one who has a bit of a dark history in his town. And I think with a lot of people um, who have misbehaved in their past, their memories of those misbehaviors are not quite the same as the people uh, who witnessed them, who experienced them with them. So mm-hmm. he's returning to this town as a very, he was always a very smart, charismatic guy. He's returning to town as, as a surgeon, as a responsible husband and father, and he's coming face to face with the demons of the un, unresolved demons of his youth, which you know the sins have resurfaced and indeed have been continuing in his absence. 
and this is all a bit of a revelation to him Mm -hmm. uh, because the people around him have been protecting him. But most importantly, he's been misleading himself about what kind of a person he actually was back then. Um, So I think it is a lot about, it's about self-discovery in a way. I think it's about the lies that we tell ourselves to make our own life lives a little bit easier. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's also a lot about, um, I think it's a lot about friendship in a way, Um, male friendships in particular, and how these can leave scars as close as they are. You know, we're, you know, we may really love our family uh, and our friends, but, you know, they leave marks on us. And, you know, not all all the marks are good. Um, So I think it's, you know, you know, so I'm dealing in a way with um, this, this pack of boys who got into quite a lot of trouble and, you know, some of them who stayed at home are still dealing with the consequences of that. And uh, Nate is about to get quite a rude awakening upon his homecoming about uh, the realities of his youth. So, yeah. Mm. Nice. nice. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic yeah. book. It's The Storm King, and it's available now. You can also check out his other book, uh, House of Echoes. And before we let you go, Brendan, could you let our listeners know where they can go online or wherever to find out more about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, well, my website, which is not uh, the most fervently maintained place on the Internet, is brendanduffybooks.com. <laughs> Um, my Twitter is Brendan underscore Duffy, and my Instagram is at BW Duffy. All right. That sounds that. great. Yeah. Um, when, you, when your next book gets accepted and comes out, let us know, and um, we will happily have you back. Oh, that would be terrific. Thank yeah. you. I definitely Indeed. will. It would be great. All right. Yeah, um, we'd love to have uh, All right. We would. We would. It was nice meeting you. It was great. And yeah, I do. I'm loving thank you this guys. book. Terrific. I hope it, right. I hope it, uh, what was that? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say thank ahead. you. I hope it keeps up for you. I, I hope you continue to oh, enjoy it. You. And thank you very much for having me on. Thank uh, you. you're thank welcome. You, yeah. All right. And so for anybody listening, this is Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. We've been talking to Brendan Duffy, who is a absolute must read author. You'll love it. Check it out. Um, and, and thank you for listening. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Good night. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Hey.